we are here now with the wonderful Elena. Welcome back, Elena. Very nice to be here again. Thanks for inviting me. As always, you're actually a ton of information and we're trying to just take everything out of there. When we were talking about doing this episode, you came up with the idea of doing the espresso introduction of practicalities of giving birth in the Netherlands. And so this is basically a shot of information for anyone who's going to be giving birth in the Netherlands and first time moms or first time moms in the Netherlands to be. So yeah, Elena, this is going to be your show. So please take over and let us know basically everything there is to know about giving birth here. Great. So I do think it's a super helpful episode to offer people because I know you've had an amazing episode with the Kramsorach Agency, the Kleine Amsterdamer. We've had the amazing Shandela on to talk all about midwifery. And that was a really nice like introduction to the first line. And then, of course, Leonie was there as well. And she talked all about like super the extra considerations for more mature mothers. So that was a nice introduction to the second line. You haven't spoken to anybody from the third line yet. I think, but I know that there are some episodes in the lineup where the third line of care may come into play. So today, what I want to make clear for people is that there is a first line of care and that that is her community midwives like Shandela, like some of the her really popular midwifery practices that we know from in and around Amsterdam, Van der Hoogstraat, Vondelpark, uh, Verloskundige Vondelpark, Amsterdam, lots of different midwifery practices in the first line. And then you've got the second line and second line, low level risk. So pretty much normal pregnancies. Generally, actually, you're also taken care of by midwives, but clinical midwives. And then there's always a gynecologist or a gynecology resident in the background monitoring for the situation in birth and also the situation in pregnancy to see if it would tip into the second line. You generally don't see transfers between the second and the third line. Generally, the third line, which is usually gynecology and additional specialist-led, because usually the conditions that would mean that your pregnancy and your birth would take place in a third-line hospital would be kind of life-questioning or life-threatening medical complications for the birthing person or mother and the baby, and or the baby, and sometimes both. So generally, you'd already have a specialist in an academic hospital. And in those third line situations, you don't kind of have a choice of like a possibility of a home birth and a possibility of a hospital birth. It's really a it's really a birth indication that means that you both probably need to be in the hospital. Third line births take place in academic hospitals. There are eight academic hospitals in the Netherlands. There are two academic hospitals in Amsterdam. And it was only in like 20, 2022 that one of those academic hospitals closed and it beca- and the FU, FU MC became AMC. They amalgamated forces. They kind of doubled their capacities in the space in AMC, but they closed the location down in the FU. So That all takes place in medical centers. In that line of care, and I'm kind of starting there because it's a a pretty small percentage of people that, that land in the third line care. In that line of care, you would be taken care of in pregnancy by the academic Amsterdam Medisch Centrum, IMSA, and you would give birth there. 
In some rare scenarios, you may have a third line indication, which would mean that you might go to a specialist medical center across the Netherlands for that indication. Um, so, for example, a couple of years ago, I supported a family of mine whose measurements in a particular medical situation for their baby, the results and the testing showed a sudden increase in the in the levels. And that meant that rather than generalized specialist third line care that could take place at IMC, that baby really needed to be born in LUMC in Leiden, because they that is in Leiden, they are specialists in this particular condition. You also sometimes hear of people heading over to Rotterdam, Erasmus, or I've even heard of somebody going down to Maastricht for something. So sometimes, very rarely, there are very specialist indications where you would go for the absolute experts in the country for that scenario. But it's crazy rare right? Very, very. So then I think it's nice for us to start really with all of the possibilities that are open to us when we're in the first line, because most people are cared for in the first line. That's one of the gifts of the maternal healthcare system in the Netherlands, that people are generally in the majority cared for by midwives. So when you're cared for by a midwife in birth, you have the possibility of giving birth in your home, in a birthing centre, which is independent. In Amsterdam, we have one independent birthing centre, which is not attached to, that's not true, actually, we have two. We have two birthing centres that are outside hospitals, and then we have a birthing centre that's contained within a hospital at OLVG West. And then we have OLVG Oost, we have Amsterdam, we have both an eye in Noord, and we have, I'm say, sometimes if they have space for first line polyclinic birth, births without any medical indication. Sometimes they open up their suites because they're empty and people can give birth there with their midwives. So what's available at home? Because that's, you know, that's literally where you are at home. You can hire a birth pool. At home, there is a birthing website called Bevalbad.nl, and there you can hire a birth bath for a few weeks. There are different possibilities. They're all sterile. They equip you with literally everything you need. If you if you open that box and you find out that the hose is not quite long enough, you can ask them to send you an extension. There, they literally have everything you need in a box. They even have the fishing net to fish out the poo if you do a little poo in the bath. Bath is a great idea. It's it's very one of the one of the kind of urban myths that I hear a lot is like oh but I live in a really old house and you know is the weight bearing going to be an issue? I've never had a client. I say I'm going to knock on wood. I, you know, ten years doing this, almost like three hundred births. I've never had anybody plan a home birth where they had a situation where they really needed to be careful about load bearing for a bath. But you do kind of hear about it kind of coming down the tree. So. If you don't have your plans, definitely speak to your landlord and definitely get clarity on that. Birth baths are a possibility. You also have the possibility to, oh, and interestingly enough, I have a packet of tens pads on my table randomly. You also have the possibility to hire or to buy a tense machine. And a tense machine is an amazing tool, transcutaneous electro nerve stimulation. So it's basically offering four pads around the sacrum and 
the mid-back and it's offering electrical stimulation which is going to really distract your brain's reception of the signals of pain if you're familiar like on the most scientific side with gait control theory then and again that's a difficult one because it's the most commonly like applied pain theory but we're not actually sure if there is a gait control mechanism between the brain and the nervous system but the idea is basically that this machine would block the receptivity of the brain towards the external stimulation of pain other things that you can do at home you know hopefully you've got a partner or a really good friend with you massage gentle vibration of muscles of fascia stroking of the skin all incredible literally the studies around the the rise in oxytocin and the lowered receptivity to the nerves of the reception of pain when somebody that you love and cherish simply holds your hand it's like a reduction of between 40 and 50 percent just by somebody holding your hand so get a hand holder because that's definitely worth exploring other possibilities Sometimes I'll, I'll come back to the kind of the more quirky things, but one thing I do really want to mention, which is fantastic for home, fantastic for first line birth center, first line hospital, polyclinic birth, or first, second or third line births, is also aromatherapy. The three aromatherapy oils that you can get literally from an organic essential oil line in Holland and Barrett, which is on every street corner in Amsterdam lavender, clary sage, frankincense amazing they blend up really really nicely together it is likely that if you smell clary sage in pregnancy your body would probably say because there is a substance in there which your body is going to respond to and really kind of say uh toxin danger danger because it is an essential oil which we call an amenagogue which means that it stimulates the womb to contract and to decontract so when you're pregnant your olfactory sense detects that substance in the essential oil and says sends the signal of danger so even if you smell it when you buy it with all the best intentions when you hop onto your maternity leave and you it's your one of the first things you're going to do on your to-do list don't despair still keep it in your birth bag and still get it out on the day because it's very likely on the day your partner or your your doula or your midwife is going to open that up rub some on your back or pop it on a tissue or a flannel for you to smell and nine times out of 10, you'll be heard saying, oh my God, that's so good. Because it feels amazing then. It's also quite sedative. So it's also really good for reducing anxiety. Lavender is also very good at that. And frankincense also really good at bringing you out of your intellectual mind and bringing you into a state of the nervous system, which is neutral and calm and open and curious and relaxed. Frankincense, of course, is also burnt in a Catholic church and spread all around the vicinity of said church just before they ask for donations. So that seems to work quite well for the Roman Catholic Church. I suspect it might work quite well for you in labor too. Those are amazing tools. Water, even if you can't get a birth bath, and anyway, there is a magic moment huh, to get into a birth bath. So uh, Michel Laudan, French gynecologist, always says, don't get in the bath before five centimeters. You need to be in good established labor. And then five centimeters really is the magic moment. If the birth bath is going to work I mean, honestly, it's not called the midwife's epidural for nothing. It's going to work somehow to relax your body and keep you calm. But if it's going to work to do all of that and to accelerate labor, five centimeters is the moment. And, you know, the number of times that I've seen somebody get into the bath at five centimeters and then an hour, an hour and a half later, heard 
you know, it it really can work magic. So sorry, that cow noise is the noise of the pushing sensation building and readying and the baby descending in the in the birth canal. So those are really super helpful things. But the the other water, of course, is also the shower. Huh? So don't don't underestimate the power of a shower. And and honestly, like I, I mean, I, I just said I think that the birth bath works for everybody and that it's not very fair because it doesn't work for everybody. Some people really need to kind of feel the sense of gravity. They need to be stood upright and really feel also that kind of sense of control and readiness that you get from standing that is lost a little bit in the bath because of course you're you're floating you're held by the water, the sense of gravity is somewhat less. But the shower can be incredibly soothing, incredibly comforting. And the shower is fantastic before five centimetres as well anyway. So shower, don't, um, you know, thankfully now the energy bills have gone down a bit as well. So we're a bit less worried about the energy bills, but shower also fantastic. What else was I going to say at home? This is going to sound quite funny because obviously my accent betrays the fact that I'm British, but a good cup of tea goes <laughs> a really long way in labor to like, so it works in various ways. It, and obviously, like if you're a coffee drinker, probably not going to work so well for you. But if you are a tea drinker, a really, a, a good cup of tea with some honey or, or sugar, but preferably honey, because it's a little bit less of a kind of blood glucose swinger. The warmth of the tea is really good for the muscular activity that's happening in the body. The placebo effect of the sense of a good, soothing, comforting cup of tea, that is, you know, if you're ill, that's often what people offer you. So there's this sense of kind of comfort that happens when you take it in. And of course, something sugary also, you people sometimes talk about like running a marathon in labor. And realistically, it's more like an iron woman challenge, right? It's so much more than a marathon. And you do need to keep your energy levels up. Other things as an extension of that at home, you know, keep yourself regularly going to the bathroom and releasing your pelvic floor. That will also reduce your experience of pain. Releasing the pelvic floor, keeping the bladder empty, making space for baby to descend, and having those moments of closing the door on what's going on around you and getting into the birth cocoon and letting that pelvic floor soften and getting you into a place of surrender. That is helpful as a mode of pain relief too. So Dilla and Camilla, comb, three euros, bamboo, nice and thin. So if you've got small hands like me or bigger hands, you're fine. A comb in each hand. So gay control theory works on this principle that pressure, so what do, they, what do we say? We say pressure, vibration, and stroking or, or soothing touch is going to interrupt the body's receptivity of painful sensation. So what's amazing about the combs is it's inc- it, you, you're squeezing it. So you have the sense that you are holding something in your hand and you have control over your pain relief. So you've got a wonderful like flood of placebo, all the wonderful biochemistry of a good placebo effect. And you do have the pressure in the palm of your hand, which is going to interrupt the body's reactivity to the pain that's coming from the uterus. So combs in the hand 
Like, absolutely. And also, there are some fantastic pressure points that you can learn really easily online. There's um, a reflexologist in New Zealand called Deborah Letts, and she has this free downloadable PDF. When I first became a doula 10 years ago, I downloaded it and I noticed that two or three years ago, she updated it and it's better than ever. And it's still this free PDF. You don't even have to put your email address in. I mean, an incredible tool. So Deborah Letts, reflexologist, New Zealand. If you if you Google Deborah Letts and like pressure points for labor, super, super easy. So show your birth partner or your midwife or your doula or your whoever's there with you. Show them that beforehand. Practice those points because acupressure is an incredible modality. So those are the things that I would say is really fantastic for pain relief at home. Now, the birth centers that are here in Amsterdam that are available to you if you're in the first line, we have a birth center within the practice of a really wonderful midwifery practice called Verloskundige Hygeia. And they're in Amsterdam Zoud and they're on the Reestraat and they have their own two room birth center in their practice. They have two baths. They don't have gas and air, but they have these two birth baths, which are fantastic. They have, I know it's all it's always a bit cliche, but they have two really beautiful salt lamps in each of the rooms. They're very kind of, they're really truly decorated in a very homely way. There's a pink room and a blue room, but not like sickly pink or sickly blue, but really kind of chic, modern, contemporary, fresh colours. And they, their space is really fantastic. They have uh, birth stools as well. You can take your TENS machine, you can take your aromatherapy. And it's, of course, I, I don't know if people know where the Reestrat is, but it's very close to the Olympischstadion. So it's very close to the rings. So you're very close to OLV West, you're very close to IMC if there would be necessity of a, of a transfer. So that's one of the birth centres at Hygeia, the Philosophical Praktai Hygeia, and it is I, I, I'm I'm really, I notice I'm really flushed as I talk about it because the last birth that I attended there was a very, very healing second birth. It was really, yeah, it was really beautiful. So that's one of the birth centres that's outside hospitals. The second birth centre, which opened last year after colossal fundraising, decorating, renovating, collaboration between different midwifery practices in Amsterdam is Befal Centrum Zoud. And it is a huge triumph that they opened this birth centre. So this is, again, a two-room birth centre, which is a standalone birth centre. It's located in Bouterfeldert. And interestingly, I so I haven't attended a birth there since it became Befal Centrum Zoud, but it used to be a standalone birth centre for a private clinic of a Russian gynecologist and a Greek midwifery slash gynecologist who had their own standalone birth center. And so they had one of the rooms which was fitted out in a very clinical way with like a, you know, full on like medical bed with stirrups. And then in the other room in the bath, they have this like aromatherapy shower where they put in oils into this steam shower. And my client who gave birth there got into the shower. She was five centimeters. She got into the shower and literally within like 17 minutes we heard at the top of the contraction it was the second baby so of course sometimes that happens but it I was like oh my god this shower is like the next big thing why is this not everywhere 
<laughs> and in that case, like she was very much all about like being on her hands and knees and giving birth in the aromatherapy shower. But the the gynecologist had different ideas, so she she hopped on out and got into the clinical uh, got into the clinical side. But they have kept the aromatherapy shower in the Bafal Sense comes out. So in one of their birth rooms, they have the aromatherapy shower. So I've, I've been trying to kind of sell it to different clients <laughs> since they opened, but nobody's taken the bait yet. So the aromatherapy shower in the Bafal Sense from Saud is amazing. I believe they do have gas and air in the Bafal Sense from Saud as well. And they also have the space for a birth pool. They're open every Monday. That's also helpful for people to know. Between 7.30 and 9.30 that they're open unless there's a birth happening. And you can go there and have a look around, get a feel for the place. You're shown around by the midwifery practice that's responsible for the tour that night because they're rotating. But then they'll be able to ask all the questions about the facility that they have and also about the insurance obligations and how that looks and so that you can report back to your insurance company and make sure it's covered for you. Of course the use of gas and air will come to gas and air also with another couple of the locations. The use of gas and air is dependent on your first line midwifery practices certification to use it. So sometimes what you see in a first line practice, a bigger practice for example or a midwife a midwife that's you know relatively fresh in the team may Maybe they haven't done the training for the use of gas and air yet. So you do, it is worthwhile if you are thinking that you'd like to use gas and air. So gas and air is nitrous oxide. It takes your mind away from the body rather than really kind of eliminating any sense of pain. But people who use it often really enjoy that sense of kind of lifting up out of the body. But it's worthwhile checking in with your midwifery practice if they are all certified to use it, because it's a bit disappointing if it's on the top of your list and then the midwife that's there on the day can't do it. They also have salt lamps in both of the rooms. And I, I, I say that with a bit of a smile and a laugh, but, you know, soft lighting is really important in birth, you know? And and I say that, but I, I also have to say one of the things we teach on the trauma specialized birth care course is really actually that sometimes it's completely the opposite. And I'll, you know, I'll never forget the, the the first time that I supported a woman with pretty extensive background with unresolved trauma. And she just could not, she just could not be in the dark. She preferred fluorescent overhead strip lighting to dark. So, you know, the general rule is that as, as mammals, we would seek out calm, cool, dark, cozy places, but do listen to your body too. Right? Like, you know, if, if darkness feels threatening in, in some way or unsafe, then pop the fluorescent lights on. No problems. But yeah, so salt la- salt lamps can have, have their time and place for sure. TENS machine, take your TENS machine, take your aromatherapy. They do actually have their own aromatherapy at Bafal Centrum's out as well. So that's really awesome. I don't think they have frankincense, but I know for sure they have lavender and clary sage. And of course... The same kind of transfer, I don't want to say complications, but the transfer protocols for from first line to second line are the same in a birth centre as they would be at home. I think Shandella touched a little bit on that, didn't she, in her episode? You know, for example, if you are in the first line and you've, you know, you've dove into the bath and you're trying to swim around to get comfortable in the bath and it's just not working and the TENS machine isn't doing anything and you decide, okay, actually, no, I really want the the hard stuff now. It is an indication then to move lines of care. So then you would move from the first line of care into the second line of care. And that 
hey, if you're at a birth centre, you would need to transfer location to a hospital then. Your first line midwife would need to find a place in a hospital that has a place on the day for epidural use or remifentanil use. We'll come to that and that difference between that in a moment. They would take you there. They would get you settled there. They would, in the background, not in front of you, because they'll try and encourage you to take your space in the hospital when you arrive. But in the background, they would be briefing the clinical team. They would be handing over your birth plan and birth preferences. And then shortly thereafterwards, they would leave. So you would then be in the care of the clinical team rather than, rather than your own midwife. Then you have the birth centre in uh, called Befal Centrum West. And Befal Centrum West is a birth centre that is within the confines of the hospital OLVG West. Now, we're obviously recording this in early January 2024. In end of March, beginning of April, mid-April, I think, the plan is actually to close OLVG West to birth for a number of years, whilst OLVG West builds a purpose-built centre for pregnancy, birth and Kramsorg care, which will be kind of just alongside. When I say a centre, I even mean that it will be a centre with its own OR for, for people who are going to give birth via cesarean. So yeah, it's only really in the next in the first four months of 2024 that the Befal Centrum West information is really relevant. But there again, you have two baths in their rooms now, and they also have gas and air. So again, you need to make sure that your midwifery practice has the possibility to, to support you with the use of gas and air. One of the things that I will say about gas and air is that in the Befal Centrum West and also in Amsterdam, you may have seen images on social media or on shows like One Born Every Minute and gas and air is just an oxygen mask kind of held over the nose and the mouth. But actually here in the Netherlands, because of the occupational health risks for the people attending birth, you have two tubes and really a big mask that covers the whole nose and also the mouth. And it also has a huge head strap. And it's one of the things that I always prepare my clients for because it looks like something out of a 1940s horror film. If you don't know that it's coming, that's not really very conducive to a peaceful relieving experience it can be quite fearful and it's not just the mask and the headband because the headband is also an old school latex headband so it, it, the pressure around the head is really not so nice but it's also the machine which is kind of whirring like a machine from a 1940s horror film it's it, it, it's an entire sensorial experience which is not really conducive to pain relief it's hard yeah so good to know that 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 if you do choose for gas and air in the Befal Centrum that that's I, I don't really want to say unfortunately but be prepared for that yeah be prepared for that and also another big part of that is also being prepared for the fact that there is a strong preference that once you've determined that you've had enough gas and air that when they turn it off they really do prefer you to continue breathing oxygen supplementation through a tube for 20 to 30 minutes even after the nitrous oxide has been switched off and sometimes that cannot that's that's worth keeping in the back of your mind because it can be that this full sensorial experience that we've talked about can be so suddenly off-putting but unfortunately you can't really just 
suddenly remove the whole thing you need to carry on taking that oxygen so so keeping that in the back of your mind is 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 helpful preparation in the birth center because the birth center is literally on the same floor as the medical side of the hospital the rooms themselves in the birth center are equipped with more medical equipment than the standalone birth centers but the other thing is it is literally a question of like 40 steps and to the end of the corridor and then you're literally in the building of a hospital and I do find that particularly with expats who come from countries where birth centers are not very popular this does offer a sense of reassurance and a sense of a felt sense of safety so that's perhaps helpful also kind of for pain relief right if you if you know that you're in the hospital even though you're in a space which is more gezellig more cozy then there there is that additional felt sense of safety because you're in the building the same building the same floor that's almost the same corridor as the hospital that works well they have their own kramsorg at the befal centrum west and they are a wonderful team of enthusiastic physiological birth cheerleaders and really just a wonderful group of people they have a really lovely tradition where once a baby is born then they'll hang out the dutch flag outside your door to say yes the stock arrived, a baby was born here. And that's that's always a really lovely photo for the birth book. So that's the birth centre in Oveche West. Then we come to the hospitals in Amsterdam. So weirdly now I'm going to jump to Oveche Oost rather than talk about Oveche West because Oveche West, the hospital, you can't give birth in a polyclinic way. The only polyclinic ways, huh? so that polyclinic means birthing with your own midwife but in a medical location. The only polyclinic births that are happening in OVG West are happening in the in the Befal Centrum, in the birth centre within the hospital. So in OVG Oost, you can give birth in the hospital suite, but with your own midwife, usually with a nurse from the team as Kramsorg. In busy periods, though, sometimes you do have to call your own Kramsorg into the hospital to do the Kramsorg work in a first line or a polyclinic birth in the hospital. In Oveche Oost, they have a whole host of birth baths. I think they have four and they are birth pool in a box ecos. So the birth pools themselves live in the hospital and then your partner or yourself can reserve or your doula, if you have a doula, you can reserve the birth liner kit and the box with the hose and the pump and the fishing net and the and the thermometer which you then go and pick up from lockers in the reception area so it's just a very very quick system on mypump.nl because it's the same hiring system that also regulates the supply of breast pumps for people who've just given birth and then you select your hospital location and then you reserve you pay online with ideal so you don't need to reserve it ahead of time that's also the thing you can just reserve and pay for it on the night you get an email and a text message with the code you pop out of the room you go to the lockers at the reception get yourself a coffee or birth partner should get themselves a coffee while they're there get the box come back to the room and the nurse and your birth partner or your doula will help get the birth pool set up again you can take all your tens machine you can take your own salt lamp if you want most of the birthing suites at the OLVHOs have the possibility to dim the lights in the bathroom and there are lots of different lighting constellations in the OVK Oost as well. Uh, 
like lights behind the bed, lights above the baby changing station. Most of those rooms are very modern, some of the most modern suites in Amsterdam. You can really do different lighting constellations. And that that really does help, you know, turning around bright blue electronic screens if they're not in use and the and the clinical team don't need to see them. Things like that can make a difference um, when we dim the lights in a room that can literally make a difference to your receptivity towards painful sensations. And also sometimes for some people the other way, sometimes for some people, they need to see the screen and they need to see the number of the baby's heartbeat and they need to see the, the sense of progression as sensors are picking up the mountains and the and the valleys of the contractions. And that's also fine. But have a little think beforehand about if that's going to cause stress and maybe exacerbate pain, or if that's going to cause a relaxation response and maybe inhibit a fearful response towards pain and stress. They don't have gas and air in the hospital, but of course, if you then choose to transfer into the second line for a second line birth, because you have decided the birth's very nice and all, but actually I'm ready for the hard stuff, then what they have on offer for you is Remifentanil, which is a short-acting opioid, which operates on a kind of three-minute flush. So what another big powerful point about the Remifentanil is that it is administered to you on your pressing of a handheld green button. So again, we have the wonderful placebo effect at play, that the green button is there, we can press it, and then we know that some relief is coming. It's on a, a security, it's on a lock, so you can't overdose yourself. And if you time it well, what we tend to see is if you're having that kind of textbook contraction scenario of kind of one contraction or one surge every three minutes, then you want to press it. You want somebody to be monitoring and to tell you that they anticipate a surge starting in about 30 seconds. So then you give it a press, it comes in, and hopefully then the peak of the flush will coincide with the peak of the surge. Sometimes that goes awry and that's a bit of a shame. But again, an opioid doesn't numb the pain, but it takes your head away from the pain, which is super, super helpful. The other thing to say about remifentanil is really that it's not really something that you want to have in play for much longer, really, than kind of two to three hours. Because what we do see anecdotally, and I'm, I'm going to kind of rely on the clinical data that's available on the, the national page for midwives and the national page for gynecologists to tell you the exact risks and side effects and concerns in a clinical sense. But anecdotally, what I will say is that what we do tend to see with remifentanil is that it does kind of repress the urge so this is not going to sound great but uh, but bear with me so it does repress the urge to take breath so it often renders people so relaxed that they forget to inhale. So it's something good to be aware of because it's then something that you can prep your partner or your doula. Your doula probably, I hope, would know about that anyway, but definitely your partner or your auntie or your sister so that everybody can really be monitoring your oxygen saturation and really kind of saying very loudly to you, okay, now it's time to breathe in, breathe in, 
breathe in and then that can really help to limit the the dip in the oxygen saturation which is of course helpful for your experience of pain in the uterus and also of course helpful for your for your baby's experience of remifentanil while you're giving birth and this is the same for OVHO, same for both i same for amstelant same for imc it's unlikely that people, that the clinical teams would really encourage you to take remifentanil before kind of six, seven centimeters dilated. It is also likely that if you are seven centimeters dilated, that clinical team may well try to encourage you to take remifentanil rather than take an epidural. Because whilst epidural is available everywhere in all hospitals, Still, we do have some parts of the teams that are a little bit more Calvinistic in their approach to pain relief. And that would mean then huh, that there is an encouragement of really kind of pursuing the very physical kind of approach. So be strong woman, let's keep going, rather than encouraging you to go all out for an epidural. So definitely not really something that you want to choose for at two centimeters dilated. Yeah. Then, of course, you have the epidural. The other thing that I would say about the epidural is that, unfortunately, in Amsterdam, we are still waiting for these amazing, progressive, family-centered, physiological birth-pursuing teams to adopt the walking epidural. Because in the rest of the Netherlands, the walking epidural is offered as standard. But unfortunately, in Amsterdam, it doesn't happen so often. It happens sometimes by happy accident. But Usually in Amsterdam, the epidural that's given everywhere is an epidural which will take away, when cited correctly, will take away your receptivity of pain between the upper uterus and the upper echelons of the sacrum. So that means that the painful sensations of contractions is taken away, but you do most of the time still feel pressure in the pelvis. That's also something that I do find people are underprepared for because often people are under the impression that an epidural is just going to take away all sensation. And even when it's cited as optimally as possible, it doesn't take away the sensation of pressure. And what I would say is also there's only really the academic hospitals that are comfortable citing an epidural after kind of eight centimeters dilated. So usually you want to be kind of considering if you want to have an epidural to try to aim to have that cited between four and seven, seven and a half centimeters. I don't want to go too much into all of that. I hope that makes sense. So those are the things that are available. They also, of course, have showers because they need the showers and the shower hoses to fill the birth baths. Gas and air is not available at OLVH. Then we come to Bova Eye. So Bova Eye have, they don't have gas and air. They do have birth pools. It's the same system as the birth pool in a box at OLVH Oost. And there they also have one room with an incredible power shower. So the power shower works super well. They also have a speaker system where your own music or your birth playlist can be played and can come down from the ceilings, which is super, super helpful. They also, if you do transfer from first line polyclinic birth into a second line birth, then they also have remifentanil and epidural. Come to Amstelland. 
same scenario. Also, birth pools in a box. The birth pool in a box system works very differently at Amsterland upon admission with your midwife. Or if you were having a clinical birth, you would need to pay someone from the team with a pin machine the price of the liner kit and then they would bring the box to you. It's not the same locker system. They do also have gas and air available for people at Amsterland, but again, only for people giving there in the first line. And that sounds so crazy, but that is the situation. You can't have gas and air with a second line midwife. It's only with a first line midwife. I don't know. I don't understand what the protocol around that is. Maybe it's just a question of training. Maybe worry about interactions, perhaps, with with other things that might be administered in a a more standardized, like second line birth. With yeah, I I don't know. I should ask actually. Next time I'm there, I will ask. Let's think. What else do they have there? What they also have there. Whilst it's not a birth center, it's very much a hospital. Two of their rooms have this incredible like ceiling light situation which makes for a very atmospheric non-clinical feeling even in a definitely in a first line birth but also in a second line birth which is really soft lighting it's very very nice and then other other suites there are much more kind of standard clinical settings and setups one of the things that i would say about hospitals whether you're in the first line or the second line is also to really have a little look on Pinterest online on on a different birth course ask if you're doing a childbirth course you know ask your childbirth educator about all the different functionalities of a hospital bed and how you can set up a hospital bed into different constellations to support you and your body and your pelvis in different setups because that also really helps and even though in Amsterdam we don't do like walking epidurals where there's loads you know really easy use of the legs even with a a more traditional epidural we can still really support you into getting into different positions on your knees or sitting on a throne or on a birth stool between you know with the bottom of the hospital bed taken out your partner sat on the back of the hospital bed behind you those things also make a really big difference to pain relief and hospital beds you know, there are scenarios where, uh, you know, myself and midwives and, and birthing people have joked about, you know, how useful it would be to have a hospital bed at home in a home birth because they're so functional. They're, you know, they're, they're brilliant labor beds. They're, they're really useful tools. Now, another thing I would say about all hospital rooms and birth center rooms, you tend to find that there are lots of different curtains available. So like we were saying before, like, you know, about kind of making it dark and cozy and atmospheric, don't be don't hesitate to like experiment with the curtains in different constellations like close out the daylight or you know get the curtain around the door so that you know that if somebody comes in you're not immediately going to see a face there you know those things those things can also really help because they're minimizing disruption they're minimizing like an interruption to your flow and your birth cave and and you know they're there to be used one more tip about the hospital room and I'm so curious if this is picked up on by clinical care providers. But one of my tips that I use with my clients as a doula, I use aromatherapy in a in a room spray. So I spray it around my clients and around the birth pool or in the shower or as they're laboring on the bed. But often what I also do is really go to the door and spray the curtain or spray the door frame with the aromatherapy because then the care providers open the door, they get this big waft 
act of lovely aromatherapy and without like literally every time it sounds like this what's granted lecker here and they're immediately in a completely different state it's completely different to all the other rooms where they're managing multiple families multiple people multiple backgrounds multiple wishes they're immediately noticing ah we're in a birth cave it smells good i'm feeling good how can i be of service so I reckon mums and dads can do that themselves. Get a little travel spray bottle, shake it yeah, up, spray yeah. it about. There's also one tip I was given by um, the wonderful Tony, my little birth. She told me when because I ended up in hospital there, she just said, cover the clock. Yes. And I was just yes. kind of like, yes. Huh? But honestly, it made yeah. a massive difference. 100%. And it was su- such an amazing tip that I just, uh, yeah, yeah, hopefully someone else hearing yeah. this might actually want yeah. to do it. It really takes, it makes you be in the moment and you're there's so no focus. True. Yeah. Hey, and we didn't mention warm socks. And we talked about that yesterday over coffee. (laughs) Warm socks, everybody. Warm socks, warm womb. And also as clean as hospitals are here in Amsterdam, you know, you don't want to be walking on a lino floor. So bring your slippers, bring your warm socks, keep your feet warm, then your womb is warm. Always good. The only other thing I would say about Amsterland, uh, one of our other really experienced doulas here in Amsterdam was... Uh, supported last year in Amsterland, a maternal assisted caesarean. So this is a caesarean birth where the, the birthing person or the mother helps the baby during the moment of birth come up through the womb. So reaching down and lifting her baby out of the womb. And for some people, it's just an absolute no. I understand that. But if people have experienced a difficult cesarean birth, and then they have an indication to have a cesarean a second time, having the possibility of a maternal assisted cesarean, where they really have the feeling that they are birthing the baby themselves can be so healing. So I really encourage you to look at Marcia de Bruning's page. I'm trying to remember her Instagram handle. I'll try and send it to you afterwards, Ava, so we can put it on there. But one of our wonderful um, Amsterdam birth photographers, uh, Dora Barents, uh, birth photographer, she she photographed the maternal assisted cesarean. So you should also have a look at her Instagram page and her website, because I know that they were really proud of the team at Amsterdam and, and the way that that birth was supported. It was, I could almost shed a tear talking about it now. It was very, very beautiful. So that's a good thing to know about Amsterdam. And of course, that would be a second line birth, usually, because a maternal assisted caesarean does require some forward planning, because it really involves the operating room, the OR being being warmed up before birth. That's really a standout point about Amsterdam. And beyond that, they're also very physiologically friendly. And it's, you know, a bit like both I, but kind of more so. And maybe it's because I've just attended more births there. And I always feel like it's a warm bath arriving there. But it's a very, it's a much smaller hospital than the bigger city hospitals. And people are really personable. And that can feel so comforting and so compassionate, not only in birth, but also, you know, if you have to stay there for a day or two afterwards, you know, that you you really have the the sense that the team really know each other and really get on with each other. And it feels cozy. Yeah. 
So that's another thing I would say. Yeah. And I think that's actually a really good note because a lot of people, they want to choose the place that they give birth. And then it's like you make your list of your top three. But the reality is, is you never actually know which hospital you will end up giving birth in. So like knowing that, like the fact that you're saying, you know, Amsterdam is, you know, a personable place, you know, OVG Oost has a great team as well. I mean... OVG West, unfortunately, will be closing. I mean, but it's just the fact that I think that's a great comfort for many people out there. And also, as you said, everyone also has their own experiences. So there are positives and negatives that you are going to hear. But in a broad spectrum, you know, there is no bad hospital, as it were. No, I am in absolute agreement. I think, you know, and in I think it was summer 2021 or maybe 2022, difficult to say in the pandemic, but there were a few scenarios where I needed to leave Amsterdam with clients. So we ended up in like smaller hospitals dotted around. And the difference in the birth culture was palpable for me. And I really like the months afterwards, I just had this like renewed wholehearted gratitude for what we have available to us in Amsterdam. Because it is, you know, the the statistics do show us very clearly. It is, you know, all of the hospitals are very progressive. They're very physiologically focused. They're all very much focused. And and the Netherlands too, in in the broader scheme of things, we are focused here in this country on births that center the family. And that's very healthy, very positive. Yeah, for sure. Where are we up to, love? We're going to talk about Bofa Eye. Oh, we talked about Bofa Eye because we talked about the power shower. So we've just got I'm, I'm Say to cover. And that's, again, that the only time you would go to I'm Say is, oh, mind you, that's not true. I have had people go there in the second line or for a second line indication after their birth started with their midwives at home and then they they decided they needed to have an epidural and then we did end up at IMSA. So I don't think it's as hard and fast as it used to be because of the, the, the pressure that's on the system here. But at the IMSA, there is also the possibility to give birth in a birth pool. And what's amazing is that they were, I believe, and I might have some doulas coming after me to, to correct me, but I believe that I'm say was the first academic medical hospital to adopt water for people in any phase of in any tier of the system. So first line polyclinic, second line, well, second line indications at the at the medical center tend to be more pharmaceutical related. But even in third line indications, they encourage the use of birth pools. Yeah, because the data shows us so clearly that it's such an effective form of pain relief and that it is a tool that really encourages people to take an autonomous approach to their birth and therefore that it reduces the incidences of birth trauma. It's amazing. Yeah. Huh? So that's also really stand out about the IMSA. And the other thing that I would say, and I, I hope nobody hears this and kind of shoots me down, but you know, I, I've had some very positive experiences at the food, but also some experiences where I thought, whoa, this hospital is crazy under pressure. And so sometimes the communication wasn't always so great and the atmosphere wasn't always so great. And so when I heard that the the food and the IMSA were amalgamating, I was I was a bit worried about how that would go. But what I find literally amazing is that I I don't know who they hired to manage the amalgamation of the teams, but they have managed to exemplify best of class from both teams. 
So whilst the IMSA, I'd always had clients have very, very positive experiences there, whereas the VU was a little bit more of a mixed bag, you know, now I don't have people go to the IMSA and have a difficult time because they're the humanity of the team and the cohesiveness of people from the VU working alongside people with the IMSA, they've elevated the culture. And to accomplish that in a hospital where you're dealing with sometimes life-threatening scenarios, I think that deserves a real tilt of the cap, a really big fan. And also the IMSA uniquely in Amsterdam have two clinical doulas in their team. And the clinical doulas are made available to people with a history when when people reveal a history of trauma. So that could be sexual trauma, big life, uh, big picture life trauma. Uh, it could be that they're economic migrants, not economic migrants, but uh, if they have a refugee status or if they've had difficult experiences with human trafficking or a war, or if they've had an extreme birth trauma previously then there is an indication to seek the support of the clinical doula. And, you know, I would encourage anybody listening who is in the third line and who does think that they could use some extra support to openly inquire if doula support, clinical doula support could be made available to them if they're under the care of the RMC. Yeah, and I know both of those doulas because they they both uh, trained and certified with, with Joyce and I for the trauma specialized birth care. And they're really wonderful women with golden hearts yeah definitely a point of note (laughs) Um, Uh, this definitely wasn't a nutshell (laughs) I'm I'm literally thinking this is meant to be the espresso shot and I'm thinking it's more like a Long Island iced tea at this stage (laughs) but you see this is the thing is there is so much unknown and there's so many questions constantly repeated about I want to take a tour of a hospital and it's like yeah. That's not going to happen, you know, no, and especially no. this is January. And actually, most people find out they're pregnant in the last four weeks because so most true. people give birth in around August and September in Amsterdam specific. Yeah, yeah exactly. So I think hopefully people listening to this are actually going to be thinking, oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. There are more yes. options. I don't have to be scared about like the fear of a Baval syndrome or especially a hospital. And exactly. also, I mean, I think that's so wonderful about the maternal assistant um, cesarean sector. I mean, that is phenomenal yeah. to hear. So, I mean, I think this wonderful. is a really good roundup of all the hospitals that we have and explaining yes. the different levels good. that we have. So really grateful for you coming Pleasure. on and just giving us your knowledge on all of this because it is such an unknown for a mom, yeah. a first time mom. And we're like, OK, and you literally kind of Google, like, what do yes. I do? And it's like, oh, I yeah. have to get this midwife and then. You know, and it's such an unknown. So, I mean, I really greatly appreciate your insight and your knowledge and sharing it with us because this really is such an amazing, um, well, episode really for anyone who's going to listen in and that they can sit and listen and kind of take note, take note of the hospitals, take note of their options. And hopefully this is actually going to really aid them and empower them to be able to actually have the birth that they wish. I really, really hope that it is a stepping stone towards a really positive, well-informed, triumphant birth experience, however that happens. Because like I always say, there's no right or wrong way to give birth. You are the mistress of your ship and only you know what's best for you. I also do have to say, Ava, I just love and appreciate you two so much. I love that you're doing this podcast. And I think it's it's just, I'm so grateful to you that there is this opportunity to share this knowledge. Because sometimes one of my things about being a doula is that I can't reach the masses and loads and loads of people. And I really hope that this reaches the ears of the people who need it. And I love your mission. 
as we can. So thank, <laughs> thank you. you. Uh, well, I mean, as do we. And the thing is, we can't do this podcast without people like you and sure. all the other experts that we're speaking to. And at the end of the day, that that's what it's about is like myself and Maren had to go through this on our own. Yeah. And we yeah. basically are WhatsApping each other in our group, kind of like, oh, you did this. Oh, I have to, you know, and it's a learning experience. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, you know, we don't got time. <laughs> we got life. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, this podcast hopefully is giving people who are pregnant here in the Netherlands a bit of a break to be kind of saying, yeah. I don't have to research that. I don't have to ask people that. I just got to exactly. sit and listen to an episode and just be like, oh, okay, yeah. take notes yeah. instead yeah. of this constant thing of what's this word like who exactly. is this person so yeah exactly but again thank you so much greatly appreciate your Pleasure. time and Pleasure. Um, we actually do have something in the works with elena of course <laughs> up in a few more months um, but we shan't speak a word of that at the moment no. but yeah so thank you again elena hope people listening are really going to be able to take note and even reach out to you if there was any other questions they are so very welcome to always yeah. you will find all the details that elena has shared with us in our show notes on our spotify or our youtube or apple podcast wherever you can find us and equally on instagram i'm actually terrified to create the show notes <laughs> for the, <laughs> the side notes that i have on a friday that i throw out because i'm thinking like i'm always like oh it's just three i'll put out three and i'm thinking this is like 13 at this stage and this is only 20 minutes into an episode so yeah this Friday's Instagram post is going to be like basically a book at this stage. A carousel, love. It's, yes, very much a carousel. And it's just going to be making a lot of noises as you keep having to keep swiping to the next one. So, but again, thank right. you, Elena. And uh, until Pleasure. next time, I guess. Until next time.